What's your name? James. And how old are you? I'm 10. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he willingly died for us, and he was perfect, and yet he still died for us. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus, and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world, and the hope of living with him forever, so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else, and why he wants you to join him. Hey, Finn. It's great to see you today. Thank you. What have you learned since I last saw you? About the organs. Organs? What do they do? Help you live. Do yellow tangfish have organs? Yes, they have organs. Well, today we're going to learn about a shepherd prophet. We're kind of going back in time again, because this prophet spoke to the Israelites in the northern kingdom before the people were taken away by the Assyrians. His name was Amos. Now, Amos was a shepherd who lived in the land of Judah, but God sent him to speak to the people in the north when the second Jeroboam was king. Remember Jeroboam Jr.? Was he a king who followed the Lord with his whole heart? No. (laughs) During that time, Israel had enemies from different places coming against them. But God prophesied through the prophet Jonah, who we'll talk about in a couple weeks, that God would help Israel fight their enemies. So the people of Israel were saved. And some of them had gotten rich and been able to succeed in their jobs and businesses me and Jonah who prophesied again. Never mind. You don't want to spoil the story for him? Yeah, but here's a little thing. If he didn't prophesy, that would have happened to the Ninevites. Hmm. Okay. Yep, we'll talk about that story soon. So, the people had been succeeding in their jobs and businesses and They thought that it was because the Lord was pleased with them and thought that when the prophet spoke about the day of the Lord, (laughs) that just meant their enemies were going to be judged. Besides, they saw that the Assyrians weren't very strong and they had a strong government. What could happen to them? What could keep them from becoming rulers of the world? Did you say rulers of the world? Yeah, don't you think these, the Israelites could become the rulers of the world? Well, no, I don't think they could become rulers of the world. Only God knew how strong the Assyrians would become. And what they would do to the Israelites. Destroy them? Mm-hmm. So God sent Amos to try and set them straight. He traveled to the city of Bethel, where the first Jeroboam had set up that golden calf many years earlier. Excuse me? The people didn't want to repent 
and turned back to God, and even had told the prophets not to prophesy. What? But God spoke through Amos, saying, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? God said, As the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued. What does that mean? That the Assyrians would cut off the rest of their body? Maybe. It was true that the day of the Lord would bring judgment on enemy nations for their sins, but it would also bring judgment for the people of Israel, who Amos said were actually under a curse because they were getting rich at the expense of the poor. God said in chapter 2, verse 6, They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth. That could mean that they were selling the poor into slavery because the poor person didn't pay back a debt as small as the cost of a pair of sandals. They were also cheating people by selling the chaff or the part that's thrown away along with the wheat that's good to eat. Amos said that the rich would be the first to go into exile because they thought their success was because of their own strength. They also treated God like the other nations treated their gods, thinking something like, if I just offer the right kinds of sacrifices, God will keep making me rich. Mm. They were worshipping the gods of the Amorites, even though the true God was the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt and led them for 40 years in the wilderness and kicked out the Amorites so the Israelites could live in their land. God told them that he rejected their sacrifices and tithes and all their offerings. He didn't even want them to sing because he wouldn't listen to their praises. Instead, he said, But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Then what's justice? Getting what you deserve. What's righteousness? Doing what's right. Yeah. So if God is righteous and just, that means he always judges and knows what's right and does what's right. God said that these idol worshipers would carry the gods they worshipped away into exile with them, maybe like on their backs. That doesn't sound like a god to me, if you have to carry it on your back. But God had never walked away from the people of Israel. Instead, he did different things to try to bring the people of Israel back to him. And he was willing to use a short pain in order to save them from a pain that lasted forever. Do you know what that kind of forever pain is? Hell. It's being separate from God, being separated from God's loving presence forever. But when God held back rain so that they didn't have enough food and water, do you think they returned to him? Yeah. Nope. When he allowed their soldiers to be defeated in battle, 
They didn't return to him. So he told them to prepare to meet him. Amos said, For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, knowing what we're always thinking, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, or angel armies, is his name. Finn, do you know what the Pleiades and Orion are? Uh, no. What are they? They're constellations. Oh, cool! So Amos said, He who made the Pleiades and Orion, and turns deep darkness into the morning, and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea, and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. All this wasn't to make the people scared and pull away from God. He tells them over and over to seek the Lord and live. He wanted the people close to him. But during that time, there were lots of false prophets leading the people astray. They were leading the people in trampling on the poor by taking taxes of grain from them. They built comfy houses and planted vineyards, but would take bribes and turn away needy people. What are bribes? People who bribe? Well, they're people who say, I'll give you some money if you say that you didn't see me do something wrong. God sent Amos to say, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph, which is another way of saying the people of Israel. Now, there was a priest in Bethel named Amaziah. And hey, Amaziah, you mean that guy named after the one who fought Joash? A different Amaziah. Oh! And when he heard about all that Amos was saying, he sent a message to King Jeroboam, saying, Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah turned to Amos and said, Get out, you seer! Go back to the land of Judah. It's kind of like, go back where you came from. The priest? That's what the priest said to, to Amos. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. No thanks. So do you think Amos went home? No. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. 
Therefore, this is what the Lord says, Your wife will leave you, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in another country. And Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Phew, how would you like to deliver a message like that to someone? I wouldn't. God also said, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. What do you think that means? It means they won't find the the word of the Lord. Yeah, and who who usually gave the word of the Lord? Prophets. Yeah. So, do you think that means he's going to stop sending prophets? Yes. Do people have the words of the Lord now? Yeah. Well, where? Um, in their Bibles. Yeah, in their Bibles. So, do, does everyone read it then? No. No. God gave us his very words, but some people don't want to hear the word of the Lord, just like back then. But you know what, Finn? Amos's message wasn't just about disaster. It was also about hope. Remember how the people were unified when David was king? Yeah. You know, where, where there wasn't, like, the northern tribes and the southern tribes? Yeah. Well, God said, in that day, which means later on, I will restore David's fallen shelter, his broken house. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. Mountain Dew? So, (laughs) would there actually be wine dripping from the mountains? Well, I'd like that. (laughs) Well, what do you think that means? I mean, is there that wine is going to drip from the mountains? (laughs) Well, in the Bible, wine a lot of times symbolizes blessing and having everything you need. So the people who are working in the fields, the reaper and the plowman and the planter, everybody's going to be working hard because they're going to have good land to be able to grow their crops and have everything they need. God said, They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. 
even though all the strong buildings and walls they had built would be destroyed, the tent of David would be repaired, which means that there would be some who would return from exile to follow the Lord and wait for the Messiah to come, and then have a chance to tell all the nations about him. If we fast forward a few hundred years, after Jesus came and went back into heaven, you might remember that the apostles were telling everyone how they could be saved from the punishment of their sins. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Jesus said to go into all the world. But some of, the, some of them thought the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, should follow the rules to become Jews first. So the apostles got together, and the apostle James spoke up, saying, We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Paul and Barnabas telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. Now, does that sound familiar? What James was talking about? Yeah. He was quoting from the book of Amos. That that's, that that's what God had promised to do for people from all over to seek him and to follow him. You know, the people of Israel had been completely confused about what God wanted them to do. It wasn't all about getting rich. It was about displaying or showing God's righteousness and justice to all the nations as they followed God's laws and showed them how life worked best. But did they do that? No. Because they didn't want to do that, God would punish them. But there was still going to be hope for them, even when evil Assyria came. Do you remember where that hope would come from, Finn? The other side? After they'd been taken away? What do you mean, the other side? Judah. Oh. Would there be a person from Judah? Yes. Who? Jesus. That's right. An heir or descendant of David would come so that not just Israel, but the whole world could experience peace and blessing, not by keeping all the Jewish laws, but by giving their whole lives to the true king and following him with all their hearts. You know... The sin in our hearts is like a sickness that only God can heal. And it's the same for us today as it was for the Israelites who were dying in their sin. When we repent of our sins and receive God's forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, God then guides us and gives us grace until we go to live with Him forever, no matter what kind of terrible disaster or hardship comes. Isn't God awesome? Yes! 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you want us to seek you and live. Thank you for sending Jesus and for this special time of year when we think about what Jesus went through so that we could be with you forever. Would you bring each boy and girl listening to a place of repentance and trust in you? We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Amen. Thanks so much for your help, Finn. Do you want to tell the boys and girls about the videos we made? Yeah, just go on YouTube and you can find two parts of how we do it. Well, you couldn't, you can't actually say our studio will be underwater. <laughs> we'll be underwater. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to check out the videos, you can find them on my website, aliciayoder.com, A-L-I-C-I-A-Y-O-D-E-R.com. And um, Finn and I did a little interview about how we put the podcast together. Oh, and do you have a joke before we go? How did the computer escape from prison? How? He used his keys. <laughs> Great. Dooley-doo, kangaroo. Hey, that's my job. <laughs>